So last week I began talking about how to elevate your life. And, and I, I just noticed over the years, the longer you live, the more you see these recurring patterns in, in not only your own life, but in the lives of the people all around you. And, and, and so oftentimes what you see, you see a progression of progress in a person's life. And, and then it's like they, they hit a, a trap door and they drop back to where they were before. And, and then they have to rebuild all over again. And then they make incredible progress and they hit into the trap door. And have you ever noticed that in your own life? That you feel like you've made, you're making so much progress. Have you noticed that it takes years and years and years to make the progress you want? And it feels like it takes a second to lose it all. And what I, what I have noticed, though, when, when I've watched the lives of certain people is that, that they're not just focusing on pushing their ceiling up. They're actually focusing on elevating the floor. So it's not about how high they can attain or, or how much they can accomplish or how much success or power or wealth or fame they can gain in a particular moment in their life. It's, it's about establishing new foundations in their life so that the floor keeps going up. And I want to take a few moments and talk about how to elevate your mind. Because most of the conversations I have with people that they think are about circumstances they're going through are actually about patterns of thinking that they're trapped within. Most of the things that you think are holding you back that are out there are not out there. They are projections of your inner world. And the battle is happening inside of you. But the amazing thing about human beings is that we have the capacity through the power of our inner world to have it translated and become the reality of our outer world. And that's why the scriptures tell us as a person thinks, so are they. What you think affects who you are. And it not only affects who you are, it affects the world in which you live. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, there's this one verse that's become so popular and, and has been common to our thinking, but I don't know if it's been common to our living. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I think it's, it's, it's so interesting to me that thousands of years ago, Paul understood that the battle was within us. We, we think of people who lived thousands of years ago to be less evolved than us, less insightful than us. After all, they were before Freud. How could they possibly understand anything about psychotherapy? Right, they're there before Dr. Phil. How could they possibly know how to help us get through our real issues in life? I mean, they, they, they lived before Oprah. Did anyone ever really live fully before Oprah? And, and here you have one of the most profound insights you will ever find that the transformation that you're looking for has to happen within you. And it has to happen in this place that, that you would describe as your mind. I think it's okay to call it your brain. Because for some reason, whenever you talk about faith, you almost eliminate all the conversations about your brain. And that's why a lot of times it seems like we're faith alive and brain dead. But we need to realize that, that God wants to impact your mind, which by the way, means he's impacting your thinking. Which by the way, means he's impacting your intelligence. He's impacting your ability to think clearly. Why is it that so 
Oftentimes, the people who act most spiritual are just the most weird. They, they, they seem to have a detachment from reality. They, they talk about God and faith and life. And you're wondering, what planet are they living on? And what the scriptures do not want you to do is to detach your faith from your brain. They just want to make sure that your brain isn't dragging in the gutter of human experience. You need to elevate your mind. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. By the way, thinking is about patterns. Your brain is lazy. You may not be lazy. You may be. You may not be lazy, but I'm telling you, your brain is lazy. Your brain will do whatever you taught it to do, and it will not do anything else until you force it to do something else. And so your brain has what you could describe as brain ruts. And so once you learn how to do something, you go back to it over and over again. You ever, you ever wondered why you go back to self-destructive patterns? I mean, even small ones. You, you go back to, to, to lying. When you, even telling the truth would be easier. It's because your brain has been taught. This is the rut. This is the rut. This is the rut. You go back to procrastinating. You go back to making excuses. You go back to self-defeating behavior. You go back to these patterns because your brain has brain ruts. And if you've ever been stuck in the snow or in a mud pit and your tires just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and you keep trying to spin the wheels to get out and you realize you're just going deeper and deeper and getting trapped more, that's exactly what happens in your brain. The more you go back to that brain rut, the deeper that rut becomes and the harder it is to get out. And sometimes you got to get out of the car and get to the back of it with all your buddies and push the car out of the rut. See, some of you are so deep in a rut, you cannot get out of it alone. You, get, you gotta get out of the driver's seat, you gotta just humble yourself and get to the back and go, I'm just gonna have to push myself out of the mud, but I'm gonna need some friends to help me. So quickly, how do you elevate your mind? You need to elevate how you think about yourself. That's layer number one. I don't know how you think about yourself right now, but wherever you are right now, if you want to elevate from where you are, you have to elevate the way you think about yourself. And there's two things that are to me so very clear about this. One, you need to, you need to understand that to change and grow, you, you have to see yourself as clearly as others see you or as clearly as you actually are. You cannot elevate if you do not see yourself clearly. Because if you do not see yourself clearly, you don't know how to bring the change you need. In fact, you don't even know you need that change. So one of the ways you can help yourself see yourself more clearly is to pay attention to what other people are saying about you. Now, I don't mean that you should be defined by what other people are saying about you. I mean the people who love you, the people who are closest to you, the people who don't give up on you, the people who walk with you. Those are the people you should listen to. Don't listen to all the people you don't know and all the people who don't know you. Because if you're being shaped by people who don't know you, you won't even know yourself. But there are people who are close to you and you need to pay attention. Am I going back into these ruts over and over and over again? To change and grow, you must see yourself clearly. One of the most difficult things in the world is just to be honest about who you are and honest about where you are. And it, I think it's easier early on because when you're such a mess, it's not that hard to identify. 
right? When your life's a disaster, you can just pick a spot and, uh, and you move more quickly. But the challenge is, as you elevate, as you grow, you're going to have nuanced areas in your life that you need to change, but you won't have to change. Because you can be successful enough without dealing with those areas in your life. There are a lot of people who are successful and they're still unkind. So many people who are successful and they're still lacking integrity. There are people who are successful and they're still racist. There are people who are successful and they haven't dealt with real issues in their life. And the question is not what are the issues you need to change to become successful, but what are the issues you need to change regardless of success or no success? What are the areas you need to look in your life and say, to change and grow, I need to see myself clearly. You ever just looked in the mirror and got really honest and then had a, just a good cry? <laughs> you ever just had a moment where you just stopped and reflected on where you are in your life and looked back and thought, oh, if I just made those changes 10 years ago, if I just listened five years ago, if I just listened 15 years ago, you can't change that. Are you listening now? Are you looking at yourself clearly now? Because to change and grow, you have to see yourself clearly. How can you get to the fifth floor if you do not know you're on the fourth floor? But also to elevate, you have to be able to see your future self. So you need to change the way you think about yourself. You need to begin to see your future self. That's why you need to stop all this negative self-talk. If you keep telling yourself you can't, of course you can't. If you keep telling yourself you won't, of course you won't. If you keep telling yourself that you're the worst version of yourself, you're going to be the worst version of yourself. Now, I, I'm not talking about lying to yourself. I'm awesome. <laughs> How many times can you tell yourself that before you're just going, liar! I trusted you. You told me I was awesome, and then I wasn't. We have a nephew, and he came out to L.A., and when he first came out, he's like, you know, five, six, and he talked about what a baller he was playing basketball. And I just thought, that's awesome. He must be really good. And we didn't play basketball, and everybody just kept slamming the shots and rejecting it, and he couldn't score. And when it was over, he goes, wow, I've been playing with really bad players. <laughs> and and, and this, is, this is probably one of the most helpful moments in his life. Because if, if you... Make sure your competition is low. You could actually have a really high self-image. But if you want to elevate, you need to compare yourself to the people you admire. And go, I want that to be the standard of my life. I want to be that kind of man, that kind of woman. I want to elevate. And you need to be able to see your future self. You need to take a moment and see the future you. You need to see a you that's kind. You need to see a you that's compassionate. You need to see a you that's trustworthy. You need to see a you that has courage. You need to see a you that you can't even imagine could be you. And you need to start seeing that you and believing you can become that you. It doesn't just happen magically. You have to want to become that person and move in that direction. You need to elevate how you think about yourself, but you need to elevate how you think about others. And this is so important because how you see other people will inevitably shape the level at which you live your life. And it's an odd thing. You think, oh, I can think highly of myself. That's not an L.A. problem. 
The LA problem is seeing yourself clearly. <laughs> but we don't realize that we're doing self-damage and also we're damaging other people when we don't see others at an elevated level. See, it's, it's an odd thing. So many times I hear people talking, and it's so interesting just to walk around. I love walking in New York and listening to people talk. Walking through LA and listening to people talk. It's amazing how many people talk about other people when other people are not around. In fact, I think it's the number one conversation piece in Los Angeles, is talking about other people. And it's never positive. I, I rarely stumble on a conversation and hear people talking about someone who's not there and just raving about that person. And, and what you don't realize is the more you speak negatively about other people, the more it pulls you down and you stop elevating. You have to change how you think about others. You need to elevate. By the way, you ever just wish you could surround yourself with better people? Maybe you run a company or you hire employees and you, you know, maybe it's just friends. You just need better friends, right? Or you're thinking, maybe I need a better boyfriend. He just doesn't know. And, and here's the key. To find the best people, you have to see the best in people. See, I think a lot of us, we want to find the best people, but we don't see the best in people. And, and you see this over and over and over again. In fact, I, I love watching this in sports when one team cuts a player and he goes to another team and just actually becomes a, a breakout star. And then all the fans are like, why wasn't he like that when he was with us? They always blame the player rather than the culture. See, if this player suddenly goes off and just starts throwing down and tearing up the league, the problem isn't that player wasn't stepping up. The problem was the culture that he was in. And maybe that's the problem in our relationships. The reason you're not surrounded by the best people is that you do not see the best in people. And if you'll start seeing the best in people, strangely enough, the people that you thought were not good enough will start getting better. And suddenly, the ones that you thought were not the best start becoming the best. And then when you see the best in people, guess what happens? The best want to be around you. Because even the best wants someone to see the best in them. Elevate how you think about others. You need to see the best in people so that you can have the best of people. But also you need to realize that you need to, that to elevate yourself, you have to believe that people can grow and change. There's an odd relationship here. If you do not believe others can grow and change, what that ends up doing is creating an internal self-talk that you cannot grow and change. What you believe is possible for others becomes the measure of what you actually believe is possible for you. And if you don't believe other people can change, then you're not going to change. Because why in the world would you be able to change if no one else can change? I mean, one of the reminders in my own life, sometimes, I, I, you ever just been really angry with someone? I, I've been there, frustrated, disappointed with someone. Have you ever been so mad you just wanted to give up on people? No, just me? <laughs> but one of the things I remind myself is, oh, that's right, I changed. And, and I don't believe that I'm in an exclusive category. See, if I can change, it means anybody can change. And not only could I change, here's the crazy thing, I wanted to change. People couldn't see it, but I wanted to change. They, all they could see was that I wasn't changing. They couldn't see that I wanted to change. And, and so I, I want to make sure I project that on other people. I want to believe that other people want to change and grow. I want to believe that people want to be better than they are today. I must believe that others can be their best because that creates a universe where I can be my best as well. 
If you want to elevate your mind, you have to change how you think about yourself, but you have to change how you think about others. Then you also, by the way, you need to stop that, all that negativity about others. We would radically change the texture of our culture if we made one commitment to never speak badly about another human being. It would change everything. And I know there's some of you, yeah, but aren't you supposed to tell the truth? Yeah, you're the person who needs to be quiet the most. Because <laughs> you don't really want people telling the truth about you. You want them believing the best about you. And so oftentimes we justify condemnation and judgmentalism by truth-telling. But you need to also elevate how you think about life. Not just how you think about yourself and how you think about others. See, if you want to have a transformed thinking, there's a pattern that conforms us to the pattern of this world. And a huge part of that pattern is the way you think about life. Do you wake up every day excited to be alive? I mean, do you wake up every day knowing that today is going to be better than yesterday? And in fact, what I find is that people who keep elevating, they just expect life to be good. Now, it's not that they're devastated when it's bad, because it's bad for all of us, right? I mean, right now we're dealing with the coronavirus. I got a call yesterday from, in fact, I had two different texts from two of our pastors, one from Mexico City, one from Seattle, both of them, corona has hit their cities. And Lawrence Fudge called me from Seattle, and, and they had the first death a mile and a half from his own home. He said, the city is in panic. And then I got the same text from Mexico City, the city is in panic. And it's not that it's not real, it is real. It's not that it's not dangerous, it is dangerous. But there'll be some people who will take these kinds of moments and they'll live their lives paralyzed by fear. And, and, and you'll use that as the material to justify living a life of safety and security and never taking a risk in your life. But people who elevate Simply expect more out of life. You elevate when you have higher expectations of what life will bring. You have to believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. These are things I tell myself all the time. I was having a conversation last night going, I cannot believe the life I get to live. Now, I could point out everything that's going wrong and everything that's hard and everything that's difficult. And I could be the same person saying, why is my life like this? See, I think sometimes we get confused. We think people who love life have a better life than us. See, a lot of people have harder lives than us, and they still love life. They just have a different perspective about life because they think differently about life. You need to elevate your mind and start expecting that you're designed to do this. I think a lot of us accept existence and surrender life. Why did Jesus talk so much about life and death and he wasn't talking about eternity? He, he kept telling them over and over again, everyone who would listen, you're dead, which sounds like a pretty harsh thing to say. Except that he was saying that to try to give them a sense of clarity about what they're accepting as life. The hardest thing to do is to give someone something they don't think they need. 
In fact, in sales, you can't sell something to someone unless they think they need it. So the first thing you have to do is you have to create the need. You have to create a need for something, even if they don't need it. But the moment they think they need it, they're going to want it. And one of the crazy things about us is that Jesus is saying, look, I've come to give you life, but you don't think you need it. Because you think existence is what I created you for. But you need to step back and elevate your mind and begin to think differently about life and realize, no, I'm not here just to survive. I'm not here just to make it through the day. I'm not just here just to enjoy myself and have a great time. I'm actually here to do some good on this planet, to make a difference in this world, and my life has real meaning and significance. So stop expecting the worst. All my anxiety comes from an expectation of a worst case scenario. And you know what's frustrating? When you waste all that energy and it doesn't happen. <laughs> At the very least, it could happen so it could justify your neurosis, right? <laughs> but nine out of ten times, it doesn't happen. And you made your life worse by expecting the worst. So if the worst comes, you have the resilience and the capacity, the ingenuity, the intelligence, the resources to get past the worst. So why don't you just expect that life is going to get better? And then when it gets worse, you go, I got this. It's just a part of the story of living a life as a human being. There's so much God wants to do in our lives, in your life. So much good he wants to unwrap and unlock inside of you. But you have to believe you're made for this. It's kind of funny. I was was thinking about this, how when I was a kid, like a lot of you, I had a misperception of reality. I I thought I was made for this, like to be a professional athlete. I thought I was made for this. No one told me. You're Latino. It's not in the cards for you. You know, you're not going to be 6'6". You're not going to be 265. You know, you do not have the right physical composition and made for this, right? There's so many things I wanted to be. You're not made for this. What happens is that when we're children, we have all these huge dreams and all these huge aspirations, and we discover, oh, wow, I don't have the, um, the, the design for this. If you're afraid of heights, you're not going to be a pilot. Right? You know, and uh, if you're not good at math, you're not going to be a scientist. If you don't have a steady hand, you're not going to be a surgeon. Please do not become a surgeon. <laughs> and what happens is there's so many things that we think, oh, I'm going to do this. And you realize, oh, I wasn't made for it. But I want you to know what you're made for. You are made for life. You are. You got this. You're designed for this. You have the genetic code to live life well. You are designed to live life fully. You are not lacking in one single arena for the ability to get up in the morning and make a difference in the world and live a life that matters. You are made for this. So you elevate how you think about life. Just one last thought. How do we break away from the patterns that conform us? And, and, and by the way, I, I love the language here because a lot of times people think of faith as being what conforms us. And, and the scripture says, no, no. 
It's the, it's the patterns of this world that conform us. It's actually the life that comes in Jesus that transforms us. It elevates us above being conformed. And I, I can tell you now in 40 years of, of having this faith journey, I have never once sensed God telling me, you need to conform. Buckle up, kid. Stop trying to be defiant. Stop trying to be unique. Stop trying to find your own way. You need to conform. I have never had that inner voice tell me that. I've never found it in the scriptures. I hear it from people all the time. You can't act like that. You can't dress like that. You can't talk like that. You can't be like that. What's funny is that it's people who keep trying to conform us. We're the conformists, and Jesus is the revolutionary. And he wants to break us out of this need to conform to the expectations of others just so that we can be accepted and loved. Which leads me to the last dimension of thinking. You need to elevate how you think about God. See, if you want to elevate your mind, you have to change the way you think about God. You have to believe that God is good and that he's for you. And this is so important. See, if God is love but he doesn't love you, it doesn't really help. Right? You ever been in that vicious triangle where you love someone and they love someone else? Right? See, if, if you go, look, she's madly in love and he's madly in love, but... She's madly in love with another guy. It, it's not a romance, okay? Like, oh, wow. No guy ever goes, I'm just so glad you're deeply in love with him. Okay? Doesn't fulfill you. You're not wake up in the morning and go, I'm so happy that the person I love with every fiber of my being loves deeply someone else. <laughs> See, it's not enough to say that someone loves completely. You want to be loved completely. And just to say that God is love, I mean, maybe God loves flowers, right? Maybe God loves Taco Tuesday. I don't know. Like, what? If God loves something else, it's not helpful to you. I want you to know you have to believe that God is good and that he has only good intention towards you, that he loves you, that he's for you. And you have to change your mind about God. And this is one of the hardest things to do because we're raised believing that God is an angry God. I got a wrath. I got a judgment. I got a condemnation that, that we're at war against God or worse than that, the God's at war against us. And if you see God is angry and ready to condemn, you will live your life distant from God. And you will not turn to the very one you need. So you have to change your mind about God. Because how... You understand God affects how you understand yourself. And a lot of times I think people think, oh, you know, the worst thing in the world is to be an atheist. I think the worst thing in the world is to be someone who believes in God and does not believe that God is for us. Because that's more terrifying. I would rather have a universe with no meaning than a universe where we're created by God, but God is not for us. And some of you have a hard time believing God's for you because you haven't had someone who's for you. See, someone you, you needed your, your, your dad to be for you or your mom to be for you or your family to be for you or just needed someone to be for you. And some of you have felt all your life that no one is for you and you've been fighting and struggling. You feel like you've been doing it all alone and all by yourself. And I want you to know that you're never alone because God is always for you. And if you want to elevate your mind, you need to change your mind about 
how God thinks about you. And when you change your mind about how God thinks about you, it changes your thinking. It elevates your mind. Because 2,000 years ago, God stepped into human history, and his name was Jesus. And he had one thing on his mind, and that was you. And when he gave his life on the cross, when he allowed himself to be brutally crucified, he had one thing on his mind, and it was you. And if you could be worthy of that kind of love, if you could be the object of that kind of love, shouldn't you elevate your mind and begin thinking differently about God, thinking differently about life, thinking differently about others, and thinking differently about yourself? If you want to elevate your life, it begins here. Elevate your mind and watch how your body will follow. Let's pray together. Just bow your heads with me just for a moment. Close your eyes. If you're here in this moment and you're just tired of doing this alone and you're just exhausted by the struggle and you don't have all the answers and it doesn't all make sense, but what you do know is you need God and it somehow makes sense to you that that's Jesus who came for you that God stepped into history, took on flesh and blood, died for you, and that right now Jesus is waiting for you to receive his love. So I want to invite you in this moment just to cross the line of faith, to open your life to Jesus. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's just one sentence. It's not magic. It's just the beginning of a relationship. It's not everything you and God need to talk about. It's just where the conversation has to begin. So if you're here and you're ready to receive that love, if you're ready to receive that life that Jesus died to give you, would you just pray with me right now? Jesus, I give you my life. Just tell him right now. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Just tell him. Jesus, I give you my life. The reason it begins there is because Jesus wants to give you his life. And the only way he can put his life in you is if you trust him and give your life to him. So right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. If this is your prayer, I want to pray for you really briefly. If you just cross that line of faith and just open up your life to Jesus and prayed, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you just right now just hold your hand up high so I can see you? I just want to pray for you. This is a safe moment, a safe place. This is for you. Anyone else right now? Beautiful. Anyone else? Beautiful. Father, I pray for the women and men who in this moment have opened up their lives to you. I pray, God, that you just wrap them up in your love and let them know that they belong to you, that you'll never leave them or abandon them, that this is why you came. This is why you stepped into human history for them. And God, I pray that you help them have a new, new mind to elevate the way they think about themselves and others and life and you. That today would be the beginning of hope and joy. Today would be the beginning of a new future. We thank you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You just thank God for everyone who just responded to him right now. So good. So good. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only He can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.